Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, a reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, February the 4th, 2024. It is the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered by the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose I have come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. Once again today, we have the beginning of the gospel according to St. Mark. We've been doing this now for a couple of weeks where there's just very basic descriptions of Jesus, his ministry, the apostles' ministry, the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is, and how Jesus is beginning to uh, give us the kingdom and spread the kingdom and promote the kingdom and talk about the kingdom. A couple spots in here that are interesting we always laugh about Simon's mother-in-law laying sick with a fever. I mean, she's not, it's a fever. She's not like horribly ill. She's not deathly ill, but Jesus cures her and she makes everybody dinner. So there's a little bit of a uh, killing two birds with one stone on that front. <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of funny. Not that we, we certainly do not want to say Jesus has ulterior motives, but all these things go together and they needed somebody to make dinner as if they couldn't have made it themselves. I don't know, but no, it's just something that we laugh about sometimes. And also Peter finding Jesus praying in the desert and telling him, get back to work. We often, and I, I preach a lot of sermons on this, that Jesus's real work is the prayer. The prayer isn't a little bit of rest. The prayer isn't something he's doing on the side. It's not like he's going to play video games. It's not like he's going to watch a little TV before he gets back to work or take a quick nap. His prayer is essential because in his humanity, he is connecting with the Father. He's already connected to the Father in his divinity, but in his humanity, he's connecting to the Father so that we can connect to the Father. Prayer is essential to his mission. Once again, the mission statement of the church, what is it? I was talking to a friend yesterday about this and how people would be horrified in parishes if you just said, okay, here's our mission statement. We're going to drive out demons. We're going to cure sick people. We're going to preach the gospel everywhere we can. And we're going to spend time in the desert praying. Maybe not in the desert. We don't have a lot of deserts around here, but you get the point. This is the mission of the church. This is what Jesus is doing. This is what the apostles do when they go around founding churches. Uh, but very often we lose sight of that. And that's why stuff falls apart, because we lose sight of our true mission. Of course, in this day and age, you can't just 
say things like that without making people feel weird and uncomfortable. We're going to go drive out demons today, everybody. But you can instruct them, hey, you know, we have a mission and it's to conquer the world for Jesus. And it's to follow his golden rule and to spread that golden rule, love of God, love of neighbor. How are we going to do that today? That would be a good way to say it. Anyway, lots of creative things that can be said and done. I wanted to talk a little bit in light of these things. I just wanted to talk a little bit today in today's sermon about being on the offensive and not on the defensive. This will help us with each one of us developing our own personal Christian mission statement. We know what our mission is because we've been hearing it after so many days over and over again. Our mission is to help the sick. Our mission is to conquer the devil. Our mission is to preach the truth. How do we get ourselves on the offensive and keep ourselves there? Because very often, and I'm included in this, I'm preaching to myself when I say these things. Very often we live our lives on the defensive, especially when it comes to our Christianity. Like if somebody really pushes me for an explanation, well, I guess I'll have to say something. And very often people don't know what to say because they don't know enough about their faith. Uh, When people make fun of us for putting in that extra effort to, let's just say, defend someone being bullied, to help someone who is sick or poor, uh, Once again, it's like, all right, and I understand humility where we don't want to draw purposely, draw attention to ourselves for doing good deeds, but at the same time, we're supposed to spread the kingdom. So that act of charity that you don't want anybody to see, okay, that's good. And Lent's coming next week, and we're going to talk about doing our good deeds in secret and private, not parading them around for people to see, because then we've already gotten our reward. But at the same time, how do we draw other people into those works of charity. That's part of spreading Christianity. Maybe getting involved in a Vincent de Paul society, helping the poor and inviting other people to join. Um, maybe if you're helping a neighbor, helping a sick person, an elderly person, a child, inviting other people to be part of that, both on the giving and on the receiving end, because that's what the church is. Building up the body of Christ through bonds of charity, bonds of kindness, bonds of prayer. When it comes to being on the offensive, I have a couple different images I'm thinking of. Uh, a couple from fiction. I think of one of the X-Men movies that came out at this point a while back. They haven't made any new ones in a while, where Hugh Jackman is playing Wolverine and they're doing a drill and they're trying to teach the younger recruits how to defend against these huge robots. That's a huge theme in X-Men. They keep creating these robots to kill all the mutants. And they're trying to teach the younger ones, okay, this is how we defend, this is how we protect. And Wolverine just jumps in there and just destroys all the robots. And the other uh, people doing the teaching are saying, what are you doing? You're destroying the, the, the exercise. And he's like, no, I'm trying to teach the kids. The best defense is a good offense. Now, there's some truth to that. Maybe yes, maybe no. In sports, we, we definitely need a good defense. You can't be on the offense all the time. However, it depends on the sport. If you're playing one of these games where, I mean, in football, yes, you have to have a strong team on both ends. Um, 
in basketball, yeah, the other team's going to get the ball, so you got to you got to learn how to play good defense. There's other sports though where you can just keep the ball the whole time. I mean, I don't know much about soccer or field hockey, but man, I've seen some teams dominate where they're just on the offense the whole time and on the offensive and the the defensive players are sitting back there doing nothing. So maybe that would be a good image. Uh with our faith, if we're on the offense, on the offensive, there's less need for defense. There's less need to be in a position where I have to uh, struggle to defend myself against the people around me when I'm just putting it out there. I mean, if you're praying over people and you're helping them heal, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe spiritually, if we're driving out demons through our prayer, through using sacramentals and holy water, blessing our homes, blessing our families, blessing our children, putting that out there and and it works. You know, another way to be on the offensive is helping people with the 12 steps. You know, there's so much healing that goes on in those groups. If we're on the offensive, helping these people to heal, there's a whole lot less to defend. There's a whole lot less of a reason, in other words, for people to say, oh, you Christians, you're a bunch of phonies. No, we're not phonies because look, look at what's happening. So sometimes the best defense is a good offense. I often think too, and I wrestle with this one because sometimes we can be a little too much in this area, but I think of Lord of the Rings, the Twin Towers. It's towards the end of the movie. They're fighting at Helm's Deep, and the orcs and the uruk have uh, broken the defenses of the humans at Helm's Deep. The, uh, the horse riders, Theoden and his... Uh, uh, oh, I forget the name of the, uh, the town, the, the, the area that, that his, where, where they're fighting. Anyway, uh, they're fighting Saruman's army and they've broken the defenses they gotten and they've gotten into the deep and now they're, they're almost all the way in and they've gotten all the women and children heading out the back door just to get away from the fighting. Initially they were in the, uh, the inner sanctum there, but now, uh, the bad guys are in, the bad guys are, are coming in and the, uh, the king, says to the other king, Theoden says to Aragorn, what would you have me do? In other words, all is lost and we're stuck and they're about to come in and they're going to kill us all and they're going to catch up to the women and the children. What would you have me do? And Aragorn, with hope in his heart, part of that hope is that he knows Gandalf is coming back the next morning with another army, with the horse riders that were driven away. So Theoden says, what would you have me do? And Aragorn says, let's go out and meet them. And Theoden, he's got a crazy look in his eye and he says, yes. In other words, let's take the fight to them. Why are we cowering back here in the inner sanctum when we could take the fight out to them? Bring the fight back out to the battlefield and charge through these people that are about to open up our own doors. So they do, they all get on their horses, the men that are left, and they charge out that front door and they bring the battle back out to the battlefield and they destroy many of the orcs and the uruk on the way out there. Let us go out and meet them. Very often I think of that in ministry because like I say, we're always on the defensive. Oh, how do we keep the numbers coming? How do we keep the doors open? How do we, and then there's all this stuff you got to take care of, you know, like, oh, well, you know, we got to fix the air conditioner in this room that we never use anymore because we don't have enough people coming, but you never know. We might, you know, 
versus let's go out and meet them. Let's go out to where the people are. Why don't we have confessionals in the malls? This is a great example of how that could work. Why aren't we taking our faith out to the streets? When there's a uh, any kind of parade or town event, a lot of different local places do these kind of things, sometimes in the evening, sometimes on a Saturday. Why isn't the church out there with a booth and offering religious items, offering confessions, offering people to pray with other people? So many of our volunteers are wonderful, and they do so much for the business and for the properties but how about training some of our people to to do bible studies and to bring the truth out there to the people to bring god's word out there to the people let us go out and meet them when i've uh, met numerous times with father blunt who is a well-known exorcist from the salt community uh, and also a healing priest he talks about just going after the demons you know like so many people so many people that will come to his talks Um, they have kids, sometimes grandkids, and they tell them these stories. I mean, you hear these stories endlessly. This kid's depressed. That kid's getting into drugs. This one's getting into some dark behavior with maybe something satanic. Maybe it started with music. Maybe it started with reading books about witches or whatever. And it got the the kid because they don't have faith. So then they get excited about these other things like getting into witchcraft or whatever. And Father Blunt says, no, nah, let's, let's go out there. Let's, let's conquer. Let's, and he has all these stories about just putting St. Benedict medals all over the place, like in the rooms of these children where they're getting into bad things. And suddenly there's a change of heart because the demons don't want to come in where the St. Benedict medals are because they have prayers of exorcism on them. The demons stay away. And then suddenly the kids are asking, can I go to a youth group meeting? Because kids are more innocent than we adults and they're looking for truth and they're looking for the supernatural because it's built into them to do that. Parents who say to their kids, you know, honey, you don't have to go to church because you know, you have sports parents that do that. You're denying the spiritual part of your child. That's, that's there. That's, you know, the, we have a soul, we have a spirit, we have the faculties within us to connect with God and connect with angels and saints. And so kids that are much more pure than we adults, we adults have nullified, we've repressed so many of our emotions and our drives and our desires. Kids are not like that. They're pure spirits. They're, they're, they're very energetic. And they know deep within, even if they don't know on the surface, that they need God. They need the spiritual. They need mass. They need communion. They need confession. They need the rosary. And if they're not getting these things then that spiritual hunger will turn in other directions. It will turn to witchcraft, the occult, Ouija boards, fortune-telling, whatever, all kinds of weird stuff that's online these days that they know how to find better than we adults do. And so let's be on the attack. Let's be on the offensive. Let's connect our kids with healthy things. Let's introduce that. Hey, they're into witches and crazy dark stuff like that. Let's teach them about exorcists. Why not? Let's put on Father Chad Rippinger. He's got so many videos on YouTube now. Let's get get the kids listening to Father Chad because he's amazing. And he does all these great things, you know, with his, his ministry of deliverance from evil. It's very, very interesting, and it can satisfy a need with us for the spirit. It's, it's a need for the supernatural, but it's also a need for the war, the battle, the good conquering the evil. We are all warriors. That's also part of our spirit. 
It's all throughout the Bible. And that's going to lead me to my next point, the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, just to give you a very quick summary of this book at the end of the Bible that I recommend everybody to be reading all the time. The book of Revelation follows a simple pattern. And this gets back to what I was talking about earlier with Jesus praying in the desert. In the book of Revelation, you see a scene of heaven where there's just all these people and they're all around the throne of God and they're worshiping. It's not necessarily heaven, though. Like John sees himself up there. John's still alive. He's on earth when he has the vision. So there's people and angels surrounding God's throne worshiping. It's what we do, especially at Mass. But it's something we could be doing all the time, worshiping the Lord. And then in the next scene, uh, God conquers the devil. And then in the next scene, there's people and angels worshiping the Lord. And then in the next scene, God conquers the devil. And then the next scene, there's more prayer. The next scene, there's more conquering. And that's the whole book until the end where God and his bride, the church, come together, the wedding banquet of the Lamb, which, by the way, is also already happening here on earth. We call it the Eucharist. We call it communion, the wedding banquet of the Lamb, God and his people joining together in every possible way. So the book of Revelation, if you read that book, not only is it cool and fun and it's got all these great images in it, it's got a lot there to study and to go deeper into. If you love Lord of the Rings, you're going to love the book of Revelation even more. Because that's a real story, (laughs) Revelation. It's an ongoing story. And it shows God winning because of our prayers. It shows us on the offensive. When Jesus says to Simon Peter, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Let's think about that a minute. Who's on the offensive when we're talking about gates? Sounds to me like hell is on the defensive in that image. I've never attacked a person with gates. Well, hopefully I don't attack people at all. But I mean, have you ever gone after somebody and thrown gates at them? No. Gates are a defensive image. The gates of hell, the defenses of hell will not be able to withstand the offense of the church. So this is Jesus giving us a lesson in that. Jesus speaks on so many levels all at the same time. And he's telling us, Go for it. Go after it. Bring the, 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 the grace of our Lord Jesus everywhere, and hell won't be able to withstand it. But we nowadays doubt ourselves. We're not on the offensive. We're barely on the defensive, and that's why evil is conquering everywhere in the world. This is why people are so miserable. Final point here, just Mary's message of peace. When, when Mary appears, it's the two P words I always teach, prayer and peace. She wants us to be on the offensive because she wants all the souls in the world to go to heaven. She wants everybody to be saved. She says, you're all my children. So she's begging us to pray because prayer will bring peace. What is peace? It's not simply the absence of war and fighting. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Peace is something that we attack with. Peace is our sword. Just like the rosary is our sword. The rosary is a prayer of peace. The prayer of peace, really. So with the swords of prayer, the different types of prayer that we've been given, we go after the evil and we bring that peace and we conquer with peace. Everywhere I go, I try to bring that peace and get rid of the evil that is there. Why is the evil there? Who knows? Depression, anxiety, people messing around with bad stuff, people committing sins and holding on to their sins and not being willing to let go. And what is the solution? Be on the offensive, not with swords and guns. Be on the offensive with prayer, 
with peace, with charity, and with confidence that God performs miracles and that God will always win. On that note, have a great day. God bless you. Thank you.